wow, I'm kind of just sitting here in anticipation, waiting for something to go wrong. But I think we're good. We're up and running on the Movie House we YouTube channel. It. Yeah. Yeah. Glad. I, uh, I'm happy to. Go ahead. What? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm just happy we got here because it took us a little bit, but technology is finally in our favor. That's I, right. I'm happy about that. So if you're listening on the podcast feed, welcome. This is a new adventure for us. And what PJ is experiencing right now is something that I experience over on Sight and Sound. So let me just paint the picture for you if you're listening. I have the stream set up in my room. PJ is on a Zoom call. I'm picking up his video feed, but he cannot see mine. So it's a little bit harder to figure out the back and forth with that. But it's all good. We're going to figure it out. We're going to become seasoned at this. It's going to work out. We're good. But last last time, last week, we tried this. We attempted this, and it just didn't work out. It was a shit show. So I'm, I'm super excited about what we're doing here today. If, if you didn't listen to last week, PJ and I are in the exact same house, on the exact same floor of the exact same house, and he is in his office right now. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's good to be here. It's been a very interesting week. It's been a very interesting month. It's been a very interesting year, but we're here. We're doing a lot of good work, and I'm very excited to talk about one of these movies today. So we've got that going for us. And it's always so funny that we're literally in the same house, literally like across the hall from each other. Right. If you if you see me pointing, I'm literally just pointing across the hall. Yeah. That's funny because I was kind of doing that last week too. I was like, I was giving like a video tour of my bedroom and I realized that you couldn't see any of what I was doing. So, yeah. But I was like, this is over here and this is over here. And this is why I hate this corner of my room because it's painted inconsistently. Like I was going, going off about it, but you could see any bit of it and you still can't. I don't know if we're ever going to see it. It's amazing. But it's okay. Um, if you are not subscribed, to the YouTube channel, please do that. There's a link in the description down below. Or because you're on the internet and you get things, you can search Movie House on YouTube and find our channel. Hopefully you're familiar with our logo, so please do that. Speaking of YouTube channels, you've probably got uh, the streaming thing a little bit more figured out than I do because of the PJ Campbell network. What it, how do you all do that exactly? Are you just picking up your like Zoom meeting and sending it straight to YouTube live? No, I actually got StreamYard. Um, oh, okay. JTE had pushed me into StreamYard because I had done a couple of things with him uh, earlier in the year. And when we decided to do the network, one of the things we had talked about was how we were going to do it. And I wanted to try to do live streams, especially now that with everything going on with the quarantine, we're trying to do like watch alongs and things like that, you know? So that was one of the things was making sure that we could interact with the audience and figuring out how to do it. And as it turned out, StreamYard is super easy, super convenient, and it does everything I need it to do. Mm. And I can literally just stream at any time onto our YouTube channel directly from StreamYard. Yeah. I'm using OBS, which is what a lot of uh, gamers use to stream. So, I mean, all all it took was going in Photoshop and sort of making the template. But, yeah, it's a lot of, like, sourcing. So I have, like, the image sourced in, like, the image that everybody sees on the YouTube channel, the one that I showed you with the windows and the pink and purple curtain and all that. So it's got our template is probably the better word. The movie house template sourced in. It's got my webcam sourced in. It's got... 
uh, my desktop sourced in, which is basically how they're seeing your face right now. And then I had to make sure we were testing the audio guys before this. I had to make sure that my track was recording separately than PJ's track. That way I can edit audio. It's a lot, but I'm very thankful because I got a new computer. My, my old computer, there's no way in hell it would have been able to do all this. So thankfully we got that going. Are you excited to talk about some movies? So I'm definitely talk excited to talk about at least one of these movies. Um, this was a thing because you and I have talked about it on air and everyone knows like with everything going on right now, we kind of go week by week to figure out exactly how we're going to do this. And so you came to me earlier in the week and you were like, Hey, there's two movies. One of them is a movie called Vivarium. It's our friend's favorite movie of the year. (laughs) And the other is Tiger Tail. Friend in quotations now. Friend in quotations. Yeah. Friend in quotations now. And the other is a movie called Tiger Tail um and vivarium was the one that jumped off to me because it looked it had imogen poots and it had jesse eisenberg and it's a sci-fi movie and i was like oh interesting whereas i should have looked at tiger tail a little more closely because i like almost everyone involved in tiger tail because i watch a lot of foreign cinema when it comes to like movies from hong kong and taiwan and japan and china so i'm i'm very like asian mindset oriented when it comes to my foreign films and i had no idea this movie existed until you brought it up to me because you know netflix killing it in their game of uh letting us know when things exist yeah so that was the one that i didn't realize until i sat down to watch it was the one that i was going to be the most excited to talk about it probably didn't help that i came into your room earlier today and was like hey you plan on watching Tiger Lily? I don't I don't know why yeah. I thought the movie was called Tiger Lily. <laughs> I literally sat there for a few minutes and I was like, Tiger Lily? Why is nothing coming up called Tiger Lily? <laughs> it's just Tiger King. <laughs> and it, yeah, it kept pulling up Tiger King and I was like, this is wrong. And then I looked because uh, Rossica had posted that he had watched a movie called yeah. Tiger Tail. And I was like, that must be the same thing. Hey, it probably worked out though because everybody searching for Tiger King might accidentally stumble upon this movie and I just hope so. sell it setting Alan Yang and Netflix up for success. I uh I'm with you. So uh Vivarium I was excited to talk about it because uh Austin Burke, good friend of the show, had reviewed it on his channel. I saw it on Vudu, but I didn't think anything of it because it was in a category that I just never address, which is like just I don't know, movies still in theaters or something like that. Like it's not right. even it's not even when the independent movies come out. It's just where straight to DVD, Henry Cavill, Nicolas Cage movies are. I've never taken that section seriously. So I saw it there, didn't think anything of it. Burke reviewed it on his channel and our buddy Kevin Marks, listener, sight and sound patron, recommended this movie because he's he said that I don't know, it was maybe his favorite movie so regardless of that it's like hey we th- it's something right it's something right you, you and i don't know what to watch right now we we don't no. um, i mean i've been going back and watching a lot of the stuff that i already know and like i mean yeah. that's kind of it, because it's like a happy place thing you know like we're already dealing with shit so i'm trying to watch stuff that makes me feel less stir crazy yeah and what's funny about that is you bring up all that st- i saw vivarium in the same way you did because the last time we had talked about it I was like, yeah, I saw that on iTunes recent discoveries because I we have Apple TVs throughout the house. Uh. And it was one of the ones under uh, recent discoveries, which a lot of the time is like you're talking about, like the newer kind of 
weird VOD releases of movies that might have gone to theaters for Mo- like a minute. Movies that star Adrian Grenier. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That is the perfect so, encapsulation. Movies that star Adrian Grenier should just be that category. And it was funny because when I looked at it today, there's another movie with Jesse Eisenberg that was literally right next to this one. Yeah. Where he plays Marcel Marcel, apparently. Which I didn't even know existed. Right. So it was just this weird thing where I was like, so Jesse Eisenberg is just doing this. And on top of that, with him having just worked with Imogen Poots last year on The Art of Self-Defense, I kind of got hyped about this idea of them teaming up again. Did you know that Jesse Eisenberg is a massive Indiana Pacers fan? I did not. He... He was spotted by a friend of mine who went to a game uh, from across the gymnasium. So I guess Jesse Eisenberg is like super recognizable. I I mean, I just kind of thought he looked like any other guy ever. But uh, no, a friend of mine just happened to. uh, I think he actually spotted him at concessions. And he said that nobody was around him. Nobody cared that Jesse Eisenberg was at this game. But uh, but yeah, he was there. They got a picture and he he just went and sat down. And that was that. But anyway, amazing. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Um, Jesse Eisenberg. I still haven't watched Art of Self Defense yet. I didn't even know Imogen Poots was in it, so maybe I should just to get the bad taste out of my mouth. Is, is this the movie? Hold on, sorry. Let me let's let's preface Tiger Tail for a second. So the only reason that I was aware of this movie is because every now and then I go to websites that tell us when movies are coming out on Netflix, so I can at least kind of keep my ear to the ground, so I can responsibly manage this podcast feed, but. Tiger Tail, all all it had to do was tell me that the director was Alan Yang because I'm a massive, massive fan of what him and Aziz Ansari have done with Master of None. Are you familiar with that show? I love that show. And yes. that was one of the things when it popped up, I went, oh, sh- shit, I had no idea he had done it. Right. And again, like pointing to the cast and stuff, uh, it was just so funny because thinking about it, I wish that this had been on my radar this whole time because mm. it's just weird to me that no one's talking about it. Zima is one of my favorite actors maybe of the last 20 to 30 years. He's a brilliant character actor. I mean, anyone who saw The Farewell, he played uh, he played the father in that last yep. year. But before that, I mean, a lot of people will probably recognize him from things like Rush Hour and stuff like that. He plays Su Young's father in Rush Hour. <laughs> Right. And I mean, he's in the new Mulan. He was in the lady killers. He's in arrival for yeah. people who like that Dante's peak. Like he's a great character actor. He's been in so many movies that I love. And so it was just weird that I had no idea that this movie even existed yeah. with both of these parties involved. Yeah. I, I was excited to watch it. I mean, master of none is one of the most beautiful Netflix series, which is weird though. Nobody talks the conversation around master of none kind of, died i think after aziz ansari's me too stuff even though like maybe there's not so much weight there or whatever but regardless it kind of just went away i don't i don't know if they were planning on a third season and it just never happened but the the hype the heat kind of cooled off so master of none still to this day doesn't get enough credit but it definitely doesn't get enough credit for being one of the most beautiful netflix series it legitimately is so that was enough for me. I was excited. Didn't even know what it was about, but I was ready to go. So those are the two movies that we're going to talk about here today. Guys, if you listen, you know how we do things. We probably aren't going to spoil 
Actually, you know what? W- w- let's talk about Vivarium openly because I'll just for the record say this is not a recommendation to anybody because me and PJ, if you haven't picked up on it, do not like this movie. So we're going to talk about it openly. Don't worry about spoilers. Tiger Tail, you can't really spoil, but we're not. We don't have to go too deep into that either. So I think you guys are just in for for a good time. I'm going to let you pick since I'm the guy who forced you to watch both of these movies for this podcast. I'm going to let you pick and decide which one we talk about first. I would much rather we talk about Vivarium first because I want to get this out of the way because I'd much rather pray. Like I'd rather our podcast ended on praising something we enjoyed versus something we did not. Okay. Well, I think I went into this movie thinking that it was going to be somewhat relevant because it's about Jesse Eisenberg, Imogen Poots trapped and secluded in a house that that is almost entirely what the the uh su- excuse me summary is for the movie if you look it up there's a whole lot more to this movie it doesn't benefit from it at all i didn't know that we were going to get this weird like i don't know i guess you call it science fiction i didn't know any of those elements were in here the the trippiness the uh, all the fantastical genre stuff, I did not know was going to be included. I thought this was just going to be some co- sort of like, I don't know, home invasion, like purge type thriller. I wish it had been. I know, right? So you're the guy, you watched it before I did. You were probably cussing me out for having you watch this. What was your interpretation if you want to kind of involve uh, what it's about and uh, what you're talking about? Just to paint so a picture. So it's weird because... Again, not really knowing anything outside of, oh, I guess sci-fi film with these two actors who I really like. Um, And here's the thing. Like, Imogen Poots has had a very interesting career because she's always picked very distinctive projects when you look at stuff like Fright Night or you look at Green Book or you think – look at the Green Room. Or Green Room. I'm sorry, not Green (laughs) – yeah. Um, And The Art of Self-Defense. Like, you know, very indie-type films that have, like, very specific voices. So – most of the time for me i find them at least relatively interesting so that gave me some Mm. curiosity and the movie starts well enough but it's a little weird because it starts with all the stuff with birds and whatnot and they start to move into this territory where it i thought for a second it was very twilight zone-esque which was kind of cool but it starts doing this thing where it's trying to be clever for the sake of being clever and starts being weird for the sake of being weird. And I think that for me, at least with a movie like this, I want it to have something to say. There's a movie that I like that's a little bit similar to this. And it has, um, uh, what is his name? Who is in the league? And uh, Creep. Nick Kroll or, Oh, uh, Mark Duplass. Yeah. Mark Duplass. He made this movie a couple of years ago that, is very similar to the this one I love in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah. The one I and, love is fantastic. Right. And so when the movie started, I started to get vibes from that. Mm. And then it shifts a totally different direction that I did not vibe with at all. Yeah. That's actually a good call. I didn't pick up on that, but you're, you're right. It could have, and maybe should have gone in that direction. You use the word clever. I don't think there's 
anything about this movie that's clever, except maybe the way that they pulled off some of the the visual effects. I'd love to see how they put together the the neighborhood, if you will. Guys, right. it's about this couple. They're looking for a house. They're young. They haven't really started. I don't know if they call themselves a family. They're looking to start a family. So they're trying to buy a house. They go see this creepy dude, this real estate agent, and he takes them to this neighborhood that's very cookie cutter. Every single house. Not, not in the way that, like, PJ, we live in a neighborhood where a lot of the houses look similar and they're right up on each other. It's kind of right. like what the opening of Weeds is about. If if you guys have watched Weeds, you know what that intro is kind of kind of looks like. But it's quite literally also like that, but in a Dr. Seuss land where every house is literally a copy and paste job. They're all the exact same color green. There are these bird eye views of all of their backyards and it's the exact same format with the patio furniture, things like that. It is very like disorienting. And I think that's the part that's clever though, because yeah. the the movie uses that to sort of rope in some of the genre stuff that they're telling. It's why you said that it reminded you of like a twilight zone because these people Think this. I think the place is called Yonder. So when they arrive yes. at Yonder, everything looks the exact same. Their house has the number nine on it. That's how they know where they are. But once they try to leave, they can't get out, and they're in a maze, quote-unquote. It's not really a maze, though, because it's not, to my knowledge, there's not a way out. And maybe that's open to interpretation. But anyway, it, it, it looks like people are living in this weird, like, Dr. Seuss land, the way that everything's laid out. And I think visually how they accomplished it on such a low budget, that's the only thing that I would call clever. Nothing else, in my opinion, works about this film. No, man. It, it, so I think it's also supposed to be, again, because the one I love is a relationship drama, right? Yeah. This movie's also supposed to be like a relationship drama, I think, mixed in with all these weird elements of like, they end up with this kid that is creepy and strange and... It just none of it works. It it doesn't work for me personally, at least. Like, it it doesn't have anything to say. That's my biggest problem. Like, I don't understand what it wants to do. Careful, hitting what, your desk. Sorry, I I just don't understand what it wants to do. Yeah. Like, I I can't understand why it's doing what it's doing because to me, I don't think it is adding anything to any sort of conversation. I would have much rather this had been some sort of an invade, like home invasion film and would have left me unsettled because there's no one around. You're stuck at home. You can't do anything. And yeah, maybe we've seen that movie a million times before, but at least if I've seen that movie a million times, I know I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. So just bare minimum, you don't have characters here Mm -mm. for me. I, I, I don't, I couldn't tell you anything about either one of them. And most importantly, I couldn't tell you hardly anything about what they mean to each other in their relationship. So I thought what this movie was going to do was use this weird kid, which, by the way, it's not really explained how this kid sort of arrives in their house. I mean, he just kind of exists. He's like immaculately conceived. He's not their child, but because they're trapped in the same house with this baby, they have to raise it. So... I was looking for the symbolism. Not, not, there didn't even have to be really, though, as long as I understood the rules, you know? Right. Like, so it's like, it, compare this to, the one I love is a great movie to compare this to, but we can also compare it to the platform, okay? When we talked about, sure. 
it's similar in, in, in genre, right, and sort of mood. But the thing about the platform, and I've never wanted exposition more in my life, by the way. But the thing about the platform is they at least set the ground rules and, and paint the picture for you and hold your hand a little bit, which I'm always for. Hold your hold my hand a little bit and then push me out of the nest. For the most part, I appreciate that. But there's no groundwork for the individual characters. There's no groundwork for the dynamic that this couple has. I really don't know anything about them as a couple. So when they're finally at this house and trapped and we're seeing these trials and tribulations, visually, Jesse Eisenberg is kind of always doing the same thing, which is like trying to dig a hole out. And Imogen Poots is always kind of struggling with her relationship with this boy, which is is also kind of inexplicable. So the movie doesn't really change for a whole lot out of it. And so I was looking for the symbolism. I was looking for, okay, is this some sort of like commentary as to like, is this trying to ask why people have kids? Why they quote unquote do this thing to themselves? They're not, were they married? I can't remember. No, they they're not even, even married. married yet. So like it's they, not even a commentary on marriage and, and having a child in that way. It just I couldn't really figure out. And once I thought I knew where it was going, it kind of did something else that made it not make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, and that's my thing because again, I'm not. I don't need stuff spoon fed for me. I'm not that person. Like I'm all about cerebral storytelling. And so we're the opposite. <laughs> well, I mean, we've always kind of known that, right? Like, <laughs> I've always been more of like, that's why I love weird, bizarre horror and stuff like that. But for whatever reason, like this movie just does not click with me. I think the performances are great. I think they're both really fantastic. I don't like the kid at all. I think the kid is uber annoying and yeah. just like not good. That's like an anti-movie thing because it's just something that straight up, angers me pisses me off the way that this kid is written to behave the way that he just screams all the time i mean there's no way there's no way anybody comes out of this movie loving that kid it's just not gonna happen (laughs) and i'm sure that our former friend uh might feel that it works and that's fine he does but 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 it's important though it's important that you said that you didn't necessarily need your handheld because you and i have completely different interpretations and it still did not work for either one of us. Now, Austin Burke also doesn't dislike this movie as much as we do either. Um, Kevin seemed to think that it spoke to him because, I don't know, he shares a lot of the same viewpoints. I don't know exactly what he means by that. And I I wish I had uh, more context before recording so I could talk a little bit about what he thought. But The only context I have that he could possibly possibly understand and this is going to sound very strange but the older version of the child actually looks like him so if (laughs) the only thing i can come up with is that he relates to that one dude wanting once the kid is like grown up and locks the parents out of the house i feel like that's what he relates to most maybe maybe it's the fact that he wants to lock every kid he knows in inside of a car and leave them for maybe (laughs) i mean that's that could be it too and this movie takes the most bizarre turn in the third act and this is where the movie very much really loses me okay i didn't necessarily need answers okay but the moment that the movie becomes this weird alien tale and the the child lifts up the street 
to disappear <laughs> and she chases it into this weird like wannabe hunter s he- thompson <laughs> to- like mind fuck to, to, pa- to paint out. a picture for the listeners so like i guess the the seam where the edge of the street meets the curb the sidewalk curb like where a gutter would be the alien boy picks it up like it's a flap like it's a fucking looney tune like it's right. wily coyote and the roadrunner and we're off i mean they are in this like just trippy like mind fuck field from there on out it's like a chase sequence and it's the only thing that's like this in this movie. I, I mean, other than, like, there's some trippiness to the fact that you see all these houses. And the, the bird's eye view of that can be very disorienting. But it's a completely different thing. Um, I I knew right then and there that I was done with the movie. I'd kind of assessed that even, like, an hour into the movie that I was over it. But that right there was the, the last straw. I, I just thought that it was total nonsense at that point. Yeah, I kept, I I'm not one to do this, but I kept looking at my watch and just or my phone at least to like yeah. look at the time because I it felt forever long. Yeah, which is another thing that is never a problem with me normally because I mean I love long movies. I love movies that are very deliberately paced, but I just could not get into this world because there was nothing to care about. Like every every once in a while, like when the box would show up and the kid would show up, I'd be like, "How is this happening and why?" Yeah, but none. There was never enough of that in the movie to keep my interest at any time, and so I just kept being like, "No, you're losing me. You're losing me. You're losing me." I and I tried uh, to cheerlead myself while watching it because when they when they put out the box of trash and they were waiting for it in the street, I was like, "Okay, what if Damon Lindelof wrote this?" I was like, "Would I be on board if I had you know obviously didn't have the lead up." caring about the characters or the concept up until this point. But I was like, can I find a way to appreciate these mysteries? I tried. I really, really did. But I couldn't even get on board with that kind of stuff because it kind of just like goes away. There's, there's no like, there's no montage. The the, the way that it would be inserted in like an origin story. There's no like montage or like a sequence or a series of them trying to solve their way out of it. Like not at all. They they try to set the neighborhood on fire to make a signal fire, but it kind of just immediately becomes about their home life. And again, him just digging a hole, which another thing too, when he was doing that, I was like, okay, is this like a close encounters kind of thing? Right. With the dad. Like I was trying to find anything to latch on to the, the entire time. And no, uh, know, it never man. it never got there, and I that might be unfair too because it should be its own movie, and it doesn't have to be like any other movie. But it was only because I had already decided I was not on board. No, and the movie just never, ever for me goes anywhere interesting. Yeah. That continues to be the biggest problem, and will continue to be the biggest problem. I again will point to I think that both Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots are actually both very very good in this. And I think that they believed in whatever the material was supposed to be. But I just, I, for, if it's trying to be some sort of commentary on suburban life and like the stuff we do, I I mean, maybe that's the point, but I don't see it that way at all. And yeah. maybe that's why I don't connect with it because maybe I just don't have 
whatever very pessimistic point of view someone has about suburban living and what it does to people. That's, I don't know. That's the go-to. I think that's the easiest thing to to assume about it just because of the way that it sets itself up. I did the exact right. same thing. But I, again, I came to the same exact conclusion. I don't know what the hell it's trying to say. And, I, and I'm not even... I don't know. I, I'm not that entirely on board with the concept of living a suburban life in a in a nuclear family being married having the kids like personally i I don't fall for that but i also don't think i relate to anything here so we've we've come up with maybe 10 or 20 different ways to say that this movie is just absolutely but here's the thing though kevin god love him is either listening to this or watching this on youtube he's gonna leave us a youtube comment and he's gonna let us know how he felt about it which is fantastic i openly invite anybody to tell us in the youtube comments uh how they feel about this movie or how they feel about our criticisms but i don't respond to those comments because it's youtube so there's that and if you leave youtube comments you're an 11 year old as crystalia said (laughs) yeah and look i'm god bless kevin for whatever he enjoys that's right like i i and i'm not going to knock anyone for enjoying it either and that's just not who i am and can i say like last week we did our end of the, like our our report for the year so far yeah i didn't think i'd have a movie lower than bloodshot i, I said that last week i know i i dared the universe apparently so i put it in the exact same place when i updated my list vivarium is my least favorite movie of the year underneath bloodshot yeah that's exactly where it is for me right now too so there's that guys two consecutive weeks we've solved worst movie of 2020 so there's that all right let's let's happily switch gears and talk about tiger tail i'm curious where you put this movie on your list just because you and i were so in sync before which by the way you can check out the top 10 movies of 2020 so far on letterboxd.com slash movie house pod that is there for you i put the uh consensus list up earlier yesterday i think so anyway check that out but where about do you have tiger tail on your list uh it is my number two of the year now holy shit that's Mm -hmm. awesome it It jumps super high so that might be the biggest divider between me and you now just because the only thing that was really in our way was the fact that i hadn't seen certain movies right when we talked about our list so this is like the first time that we're just not in sync I I like this movie quite a bit. I think it is I think it's brilliantly directed. I think it's fantastic. But I just there's levels of enjoyment with it. I do think that I think it's a very simple movie. And that's not a bad thing. But it right. just it doesn't keep my attention the way that some other movies will. And I'll admit, I mean, it's just it's not flashy. It's very quaint. It's very mm-hmm. simple. It's very direct, concise, and I appreciate that. It's just a matter of of taste, honestly. But you and I, no, it, it sounds is. like yeah, it sounds like you and I both uh, enjoyed the movie, though for sure. Well, I think for me, and I just like heavily related to it on so many levels, in ways that I was not expecting to, and I think that's where I got so lost and enamored with the movie. Is like it is a very simple film. But in the same way, like, you know, we were talking about the movie he was in last year with The Farewell. 
another quaint and simple film. Exactly. It's not very flashy. Yeah. Chef is a quaint and simple film. It's not flashy, but it's about the journey that you go on with these characters. And I was just so locked in from beginning to end and just so in love with what it was doing that I couldn't look away. Yeah. And I just felt so at peace when it was over. But as someone who didn't watch Marriage Story, I didn't have that feeling of like I had been here before in a way because I I could see that there's probably some parallels to Marriage Story. Did you, in did you read aspects. that by chance? Like, did you see somebody mm-hmm. making that comparison? No. I, I, I won't. I don't know if I agree per se. I mean, it's definitely... You know, it's got the obvious things. Where that's but what I think that's where I'm coming from. Okay, yeah, it's it's a very different film. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. I just mean on like the very obvious level that there's some very striking comparisons, and that for me is the stuff I clearly related to the most. And so that I think that alone is what really got me. Yeah, more well, than anything. But what's actually great about this movie and a reason why this has other strengths that marriage story doesn't have is that for two and a half hours, marriage story is just about their marriage. Whereas tiger tales kind of telling a lot of things it's, it's telling, right. It's telling a story that goes from West to East, quite literally. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a tale of an immigrant. It's a story about a father and his daughter. It's a story about a son and his mother. It's a story about a husband and a wife, and it can accomplish all of these fantastically it's about a uh two childhood friends it's a it's about a lot of things it's and it accomplishes more in those four or five relationships than vivarian does in one but it it's it totally does it's it's got a lot of utility and i think that's what it has going for it and i thought of you immediately when we were sort of exploring the the flashbacks if you will we we don't I, i don't know that i was aware that the opening of the movie was a flashback until we, you know, smashed to right. to him in the car with his daughter in present day. But I was instantly struck by how it was filmed. And I don't know if they did it in post or not, but my my Asian cinema is very limited. But I obviously know what an older Chinese film looks like. So when they were doing mm-hmm. those flashbacks, it looked like it was one of the older Chinese movies Bruce Lee movies was my instant like comparison though just the mm-hmm. way that they're they're shot on film the way that the film looks the way that the grain looks and I thought it actually looked fantastic it really really did this movie this movie is beautifully shot like it's so simple and yet there's so many compositions throughout the film that are just so simple like there's a sequence in the middle of the film where he's talking to his daughter and he and his daughter are very distant Mm. because he he and his daughter are so similar in so many ways. And because of that, they butt heads all the time. And there's a sequence when they're at her apartment, they're having this conversation about the relationship she's in and all of this kind of tension that he doesn't really like her boyfriend, the way it's shot with them being so far apart in frame it was so striking to me. Like it was such a little thing, but they use that space to make it feel like an empty void. Yeah. And, and it was, there's a lot of stuff like that throughout the movie that just like really, really hit me in the right ways. So, which is even more effective when you think about the fact that their opening scene was uh, with them in the car. I mean, that's just right. That's telling a story in and of itself. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And I felt like this movie did so much of that. And I found like every character is so relatable in so many different ways. Like his relationship with his mother, where his mother only wants the best for him. And so he, but he's just wants the best for her. So he's trying to make all these choices to protect her. And then, but she is not interested in that. She just wants him to be happy right? and to like have his own life. And there's, there's so much to pull at in that whole situation. Like, it's crazy how much this movie has to say about people and the lengths we'll go to protect people that we care about in our lives. Yeah. I mean, kind of going off of what Kevin said about Vivarium and how he was just kind of like feeling what it was. <laughs> he, he was, it was exactly what he had been prescribed. I don't know what I'm trying to say. He really, he relates to it because it explored ideals that he has. So with that said, I mean, the scene with, um, what's the gentleman's name? the guy that the character actor the one that we were talking about like right at the beginning the main character that you from yeah, Zima. okay so uh when he is in the room with his wife um they're kind of like dredging up a lot of resentment that stems from when they had first met when they first got to america all that kind of stuff the the marriage story if you will that's the kind of stuff that i was like super on board with and what i was thinking about like it's one of my greatest fears like if i ever decide to get in a relationship or get married all that stuff that just stays buried and then comes back uh as resentment like years later i was like oh my god that's a nightmare that's a much bigger nightmare than anything going on in vivarium it's so weird how i'm finding parallels here uh oh totally and that's how i felt throughout and again because and it's also I, like how you accidentally like project yourself onto your children, like you said. Yep. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's nightmare stuff right here. It is. And again, because I didn't really know a lot about it going in, I had no idea that the crux of this story was like also about him choosing to marry someone for to make his like to make himself and his mother comfortable versus like staying in love with the person you should be with yeah and i didn't realize how much i could relate to something in that way and like what you just brought up like the idea of all those years of resentment because i've gone through that yeah now like that's a very real thing and you don't realize how damaging it can be right and that this movie caught me off guard in the right way and i was just so like oh my god like i understand this and just I fell in love with it because it doesn't do it in a flashy way and it doesn't do it in a way that made me feel angry, but more in a way that you actually understand both of them. I I thought the movie was going to have a more obvious approach with the the immigration and and the, the moving across the world and all that kind of stuff. It kind of doesn't, though. Like, it's a part of it, but the movie doesn't explore it. And I feel like that that's something that... I'm grateful for just because mm-hmm. I was expecting it because it's like 2020, if that makes sense. No, it, it totally, it was just that much more instead of being like, that's something I can relate less to. Like if the movie did that, I would still appreciate it, but it would feel more like, like an insight, like an education or something like that. And the fact that the movie could have done that and didn't, I think it kind of makes it that much more human. Not that it doesn't have its distinct visual identity. Again, that Chinese influence, uh, Taiwanese influence is absolutely in the movie. But no, at, totally. the same, at, the same t- at the same time, there's just like no 
barriers is all that I'm really trying to say. No, there's not. And I was I was actually glad that it didn't do the obvious. And that's what I like about the movie. Like, as straightforward and simple as it is, it also never goes straight for the obvious answers, which I love a ton. And mm. there's this sequence towards the end when his relationship with his um, daughter really starts to kind of come together. And it's such a simple thing where it literally is just them doing dishes. Yeah. But you realize that they're both seeing so much more from each other. And I love that. Like, it's such a simple thing in such a simple time. And yet it works. 100%. There, there's not really a whole lot left that you can say about this movie. It's just one of those things. It, it gets in, it gets out. It is strictly 90 minutes. And uh, like we said, it's sort of just, just this concise story of one man and his relationships throughout all of his life. And uh, I recommend it. It's definitely one of the best movies that Netflix has ever put out. First of all, a hundred percent. It's like not even close to me. We're definitely going to finish the year. Still saying tiger tail top five, top 10 best Netflix movies of the year. I mean, I I think we'll still be talking about it. I kind of stated before it's, it's in my top 10 now. I don't think it's going to last, but it's just, it's just a matter of my interest being elsewhere. It, I, w- I would still recommend at the end of the day this movie. It's, it's, I mean, you have no reason not to watch this, guys. You really don't. You're at home. No. You're not doing jack shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's exactly kind of what I was going to say is you literally have nothing else going on. And I cannot <laughs> recommend this enough. Like, And I don't mean that in a mean way, but it's true. Like, We really don't. We None of us that's have right. anything else going on. So why don't we sit down and i i think i said this last week because it man was in my top also for mm. the year and i really really believe that with the little that's going on right now in the world because of what's been happening now is the perfect time to start to discover stuff that you normally wouldn't like take this kind of time to sit down with a movie like this and really just let it wash over you because you might be surprised just how much it ends up affecting you in the long run. That's true. So guys, you heard it from PJ. You have plenty of time to watch cats at home. Oh God, please don't do that to yourselves. Actually, I'm going to say they should. You know why? Okay, go for it. I want to know why. I got a treat in my inbox. Cody and Kieran did a commentary for cats. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. So that will be going up on the podcast feed. I mean, there'll be an audio component on YouTube, but it will not have a video uh, like PJ and I are doing here today. It's going to go up either Monday or Tuesday, and I don't know why yet, because right now, my boy Austin Burke, we had a plan to do TV House on Monday, but my dude has got the flu right now. Oh, so, Jesus. on one hand, it's a good thing, because it's not the Rona, but on the other hand, his immune system is screwed right now, so he literally cannot leave his bedroom his wife is a nurse so i can't imagine that you know they're even in the same room hardly at all just because she doesn't want to bring in something that makes him more sick and have her i mean it's it's a mess so i uh, just wanted to shout out austin burke don't know if we're gonna be able to do our thing we were gonna talk about the uh uh run premiere the donald gleason and merrill weaver show that philip waller right philip waller bridge phoebe waller bridge is involved in on hbo uh but i don't know we'll see about that uh 
the Sergio movie comes out next week. Which one? Sergio. Which I've kind of... Oh, it's the one with uh, uh, Ana de Armas. It's on Netflix. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. So I figured you and I could discuss uh, that next week. United Nations diplomat Sergio must fight for his life when a bomb blast in Baghdad, Iraq causes the walls to come crashing down. Uh, Wagner Mora, and, or no, excuse me, he he produced it. I'm so sorry. He's I don't think he's in it, to my knowledge. Um, oh, yeah, he is. Oh, yeah, he's the lead. Okay, so it's Ana de Armas, or Anna. I've been, I've, I've been hearing Anna, so maybe it is Anna de Armas. Uh, Wagner, Wagner Mora, Bradley Whitford, uh, Loopers, Garrett Dillahunt. So we got some uh, notable actors in there. I figured we could talk about that next week if you want. I'm not against that. I'm always down to watch kind of whatever. I didn't even realize this was a thing. Yeah. So that's, I believe, Friday. Uh, we might also talk about Delia's special, which comes out in four days. It comes out on uh, Tuesday. So we could talk about Delia. We could talk about Sergio. Mm, so many things to actually talk about, which is kind of nice. We can maybe, maybe get off our asses and finally do this Christopher Nolan thing. I thought I had an idea for that, but I'm, I'm still working on it. How I want to format that show. I can't figure out something that I like. Um, that extraction Chris Hemsworth movie comes out on the 24th. So two weeks from now. So we have that to talk about as well. So they're Netflix movies, but we at least have one movie that we can watch per week. Yeah, definitely. There's so many things still going on. So I'm excited to kind of sit down with all of them in different ways and really get to enjoy it, you know? Cool. Well, with that said, guys, I think that about that about does it. It's a short episode. We got in, we got out just like Tiger Tail. I don't know if we said it or made it very clear, but Tiger Tail is on Netflix. I know we talked about Master of None, but just to make that clear, I guess we did say that it was the best Netflix movie of the year so far, but Tiger Tail... If you have Netflix, you can check it out right this second. PJ, I think we're signing off here. Where can they find you online? Uh, You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PJ underscore Campbell. If you haven't already, you can find the PJ Campbell Network on Facebook and just go join the group, like the page. That's all good. And find the PJ Campbell Network over on YouTube. We do watch-alongs. We do movie commentaries. We've got a couple of different shows going on. Really good time, 7 p.m., PST 10 p.m. EST every night. There's always some sort of new content or show. So tune in. We're we're the we wish we were ready for primetime players, you know. So that's why we do the primetime network slot because we wish we could be on primetime. Very good. Twitter <laughs> and Instagram at what up Snell. I'm also streaming some Call of Duty on Twitch. You can go to twitch.tv slash Snell the Brave. And now that I have this set up, maybe I can actually make it a little bit more legit you can also find my other podcast sight and sound wherever you listen to podcasts youtube channel twitch as well with myself and jay williams it is so important to subscribe to the movie house youtube channel so if you're watching this video hit the subscribe button do the likes everything you already know to do to support us on youtube if you're listening to this on a podcast feed please find the youtube link in the description and go there subscribe to that as well more video content Four Movie House is coming. Hopefully every single podcast we do from here on out is like this, including eventually TV House with with Burke. Got a couple of other things stewing. 
be on oh, the yeah, lookout. Go ahead. Real real quick, I forgot to mention this. Monday night, we are doing the 25th anniversary watch-along of a Goofy movie. Yes. And my boy Ryan Snelling is going to be on it. Yes. That's right. I'm very excited about that. I'm excited, too. It's the first time. It's it's gonna be so much fun. You guys have no idea. The watch alongs are kind of chaos. Like you can't see it right. Well, if you're on video, you can see I'm wearing a tremor shirt right now. That's because we're doing a tremors watch along tonight. Like I'm getting off this to jump into another stream. So I'm pretty excited. We're enjoying doing this a lot, but I'm really happy that Ryan's gonna be on a goofy movie with us. Bit of movie trivia, real quick. Can you tell me the actual singer behind the voice of Powerline? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I know who it is, and it's killing me that I can't. Well, I'll give you one hint. You share the same last name. That's right. What is his first name? I don't remember. You're going to have to tell me. Tevin Campbell. Tevin Campbell. Tevin Campbell. Well, great, you know what? Great R&B singer. Another fun fact about this, and the, the, that movie is where my nickname came from. Yeah. Max's best friend is PJ. That's right. So, there you go. Fun you fact. Go. And... And you're actually a cat. So, guys, thank you so much. (laughs) We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye.